Welcome to the On My Way podcast with your boy Pernell. I got my main man Joshua Dawns to my left. What's and over good? here at the Big Easy, Eric Martin. Today we got the honor of having Mr. Jake Green in the building here on the podcast. Uh, revolutionary guy from the what Pensacola area, am I correct? Indeed. And uh, he's going to give us a little insight on who he is, but at the same time kind of give us a little history lesson on life, man. <laughs> so how you doing? I'm doing well, doing awesome. Man. First thing first, I want to say thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate y'all having me, most a, definitely. <laughs> it's a big honor. And, you know, your cousin here. I love Prince Color Run Deep, I'll tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> Roots homegrown, baby. Yeah. Man, so tell us about you, man. Who is Jay Green? Uh, Jay Green, I'll just wear a lot of hats. But at the end of the day, I'm the man my grandfather raised and just... That's me. I do it for no other purpose than my spiritual belief and my spiritual tie with who I believe in has me on the path. I don't go to church because I'm not religious, but I read my word every day, you know. But that type of thinking is what has always kind of guided me just to stay diligent in what I do. Well, man. What, what are you feeling with, with uh, spiritual? Uh, if I. If I considered myself anything, it would be part of the nation of five percenters. Mm. Um, poor, righteous teacher. Understanding that 85% of the world, the masses, are aware, they see life, but they may not know the intricacies of how things happen. And then there's 10% of the world that they know the truth, but they capitalize and use that to the detriment of the 85 then it's the five percent who know the truth, but they don't capitalize on the eighty-five or the ten because it's about building unity. So, but it's a it's a way of thinking. It's still monotheistic, and uh, one of the Abrahamic religions, which uh, uh, it uses all uh, religious texts in Abrahamic religion. So whether that's the Jewish Torah, the Christian Bible, which the Christian Bible's first uh, several books are the Jewish Torah and then the Quran as well but um, you have to use all uh, holy texts I believe not even just Abrahamic there's truth within Buddhism there's truth within Hinduism you have to look at everything to find peace within yourself and then you get a better understanding of the world around you but that's what I'm <laughs> I Ching and all of that <laughs> So you mentioned these many hats. What's what's the hats that we wearing right now? Uh, currently, I'm an educator and a social justice strategist is what I consider. What does that what does that mean when you say social justice? Also, bring the mic close to you. Yeah. So, um, in being a social justice strategist, uh, my personal company that I own, uh, the J. Garrett Green Center to Resolve, uh, I'm the owner, but also my label as my title is a social justice strategist. So whether I affiliate with organizations within the community or I'm out doing stuff on my own, I'm strategizing on how to uh, use the law to maneuver things in the best interest of all people for true equality. So truly bringing social justice into practice of everyday life. What, and what got you to that point? Because I mean, you're a young dude, just like we are young, you know, to even get to this point of being a social justice strategist, what got you to that point? Like, how were you raised to get you there? So, 
I mean, my grandma, she was born in 1932 in Pensacola, and uh, we grew up in the first black Catholic church here in uh, the state of Florida, which is St. Joseph's Catholic okay. Church downtown. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not religious, but that's what I grew up in. That's my foundation of my spiritual knowledge. I went to Pensacola Christian kindergarten, first grade, St. Michael's, second to eighth. Now, the reason St. Joseph's was even open back in the 1890s was because black people and Creoles weren't allowed to go to the white church because of segregation. So they opened St. Joseph's downtown, a few blocks away from St. Michael's. Now, you have an era after Reconstruction where Jim Crow is allowed, and my grandmother, my great-grandmother, who was born in 1900, she moved to Pensacola from Bay Manette in 1918, and that's how we got our ties to Pensacola. And then my grandmother being born, when my mom was in a stroller, my aunties, my grandma was downtown Palafox Street uh, pushing them in the stroller marching. And she she would always tell a story before she passed. It was a white lady. You nigger lover. Now, I'm light-skinned. My grandmother's light-skinned. She, she is what in old days they would consider passing. But at the end of the day, black is black is what she always said. Mm -hmm. um, and the white lady, while she was marching, says, nigger lover. And she says, I am a nigger, bitch. My grandmother t told that story up until the day she died. And that's that type of thinking, that ideology has never changed because under my philosophy, you can't be neutral. Either you're for equality for all or you're not. And if you're not, that is racist. Point blank period. If you don't want equality for all people, regardless of anything, that that is being prejudiced, racist, whatever the case may be. It's a ism. You better believe. <laughs> so, so against common belief, you're not just fighting for social justice for African Americans, you're fighting for social justice for everybody. Right on, because in that, we all wear many hats. We have uh, black people who are a part of the LGBTQ community. We have um, uh, people who are disenfranchised just because of lack of economic resources. At the end of the day, everything is green. They. We have a facade that's given to us that the upper class, the middle class, and the lower class are all different classes. No, there are two classes, the upper class and lower class. Now, you may be doing a little better in the lower class, but you're still lower than the upper class. And as long as you don't, and that's what the police system is. We live in a police state. And the police system, because they're middle class, they get paid middle class wages, they protect the upper class from the impoverished. And if you lock up the poor, they're not going to unionize, they're not going to unite to speak out against the injustices that are being perpetrated. And if you keep that pipeline from school to prison flowing, well, you effectively get out any of the potential voters because felons can't vote, nor can they own guns, which you must affect your Second Amendment right, especially as a person of color in this country. You should legally own a firearm, get your concealed carry permit and all the training that comes with it, and protect yourself and your family. Because my spirituality lines up with thou shalt not kill. And if I do not protect my own life, I'm committing suicide. If I do not protect the life of my family and my daughter, I'm allowing them to die. My God said, Thou shalt not kill. I am not going to allow you, who is my enemy, to kill one of my loved ones or myself. So, and that goes back into one of my influences of Malcolm X. If a man puts his hand on you in a disrespectful way that could threaten your life, 
make him the reciprocal of what he is now. Put him six feet deep. <laughs> Straight up. Bet. But that's not what the main focus is. That's them being prepared. The main focus is do your work. Be diligent in your efforts. Affect change. What's the best way for somebody to affect change? <laughs> Get out in the street and just do it. Because you're going to sit by waiting for the next minute. I used to do that a lot. Hey, talk about all these issues and then... So you gonna be the one to start it? Let me know when you get it planned. Then I'm going home. I don't hear nothing. I guess we ain't doing it. I'ma do it regardless. You can come with, you You don't have to. But Martin Luther King said, there's plenty of folks that they're not gonna understand, nor will they fight for freedom. But when it comes, they will gladly accept it. And I'm cool with that. If one day we, are con we have complete liberation, if one day we have complete freedom and liberation, I am all for whatever with everyone who wants to be part of that free, liberated society. Come. Even if you didn't put any effort, if you weren't a voice in it. Because once we have freedom, we can truly begin to focus. We don't understand the psychological trauma that we've endured because of slavery. 400 years of slavery. The, the genetic DNA makeup that our bodies had to uh, adjust to. And then 100 years of Jim Crow, and we're just less than 60 years from actually being able to vote. Right. And <laughs> so all of that has actually done something. So it goes into Stockholm Syndrome and some other things that people don't want to address. So we we identify with our oppressor, but we have no tools. We don't have the mental health resources to deal with that trauma. We were just freed from slavery, but 13th Amendment says slavery is abolished except as punishment for crime. Mm -hmm. But that exception, they make all these laws that go against our culture. So we get locked back up. Slavery is abolished except punishment for crime. We get locked up for the crime, you go back to being a slave. It's simple. That's something I've never even heard of. Of that being put in that consequence. Yeah, putting that consequence yeah. as like. You but if, if you look at the language of how it's written, that's literally what it says. That exception is the thing that kept slavery in existence. It never was abolished. People think it was. But they, they say slavery is abolished. Awesome. But you don't read the exception. Except as punishment for crime. Now, so during Jim Crow, they had sundown towns. If a black person was kept caught, if a black person was caught in that town when the sun went down, you're going to jail. <laughs> And guess what happens when you're in jail or prison? You're a slave. Hold on now. They mask it as indentured servants. It depends on the time. No, no, no. The indentured servitude was if, okay, emancipation happened, and that really didn't free the slaves. It was the 13th Amendment. That right. Emancipation Proclamation had no effect. But 13th Amendment freed the slaves. Okay, leave the plantation. Where are you going to go? You ain't got no land, no money. What you going to do? You can stay as an indentured servant. So I'll pay you, and I'm just using round numbers, I'll pay you a dollar a day. But to stay on my land, it costs $10 a day. Mm -hmm. So the way to get off the land was to pay your debt back. How are you going to pay your debt back if you make $30 a month? And it's, it's never going to. So that was indentured servitude for black people. But indentured servitude for white people during slavery, they actually earned their freedom. That's the thing people don't yeah. get. Slaves was just slaves. And we weren't slaves. We were black people who were indigenous to Africa that were kidnapped. That is a crime. And we should be recognized as indigenous peoples and get that status so we can have our own land is my ultimate goal. But until then, I'm going to work within the system knowing the laws that I know and using the Constitution and the tools they gave us 
to affect that change. But you got to get out there and do it. So let me ask you, man. Right on. Do you feel that there is enough advocacy for Native American rights, getting back to their indigenous state, saying that, you know, they are native? Well, they, they've effectively contracted with the U.S. government uh, treaty, so to speak. That's why they have Native American reservations. Right. So now, was it necessarily fair? They should have total sovereignty, but, I mean, the U.S. still has a hand in 